It was a glorious morning in South Yorkshire. I was woken up by the sun beaming through the gaps in my curtains. My son tucked under my arm, snoring away. He's four, I should point out. He's not. I don't have an adult son who still climbs into my bed at six o'clock in the morning. Snoring already, though. And then I looked at my phone, as we all do first thing in the morning, and see that Jordan Spieth has injured his wrist and is out of the Byron Nelson this week and potentially out of the PJ Championship, where he's going to be chasing Grand Slam glory. So that's put a right dampener on my mm. day slash week slash probably year. Gutting for him as well, because it's obviously a Texas event, isn't it? So... He was particularly gutted in his statement that he that he released, wasn't he? And to see him not have an effort to compete the Grand Slam this year would, would would be gutting. Not going, our plan's not going well for Rory and Spieth completing the Grand Slam this year, is it? <laughs> that was going to be our thing, wasn't it? Rory was going to do it at the Masters. Mm. Jordan was going to do it at the PGA, and we were just going to quit golf forever. Yeah, you had a better week though, didn't you? In sunny Spain, I did. Yeah, in the Soto Grande area, which was just probably the nicest area I've ever been in in my life. You've been there, haven't you? <laughs> you do you, you, you've been there, haven't you? You grew up on the Kent coast, come on. Well, I grew up in Dover. No, 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 no disrespect to Dover. I'm not a fan of people who, do, who dish their own hometowns, but <laughs> it, 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 Dover does not look like Soto Grande. I mean, it was just unbelievable. So there's four golf courses. We played three of them. The one we didn't play was Valderrama, annoyingly, but that's because there's maintenance work going on in the next few weeks as they're hosting the live event, of course. So oh. the course is currently closed. On Wednesday, we played Almenara, which is still a brilliant course, as you know. Very sort of quirky, quite tight. Golf yeah, this course. was one I was saying to you last week that it's, it's, it's a bit of a muni, isn't it? It reminds me of mm, like a, it is. sort of a 15 quid muni that you would find, in, obviously, in really good nick and genuinely really good fun to play. Lots of, uh, lots of elevated yeah, tees. Very fun. I mean, my golf, I'm concerned if my golf isn't very good at the minute. Like, it's very, very bad. I mean, Sam, one of the hosts, we played off the... For some, for some reason, we played off the back tees. I don't really know why. Oh, you're like, doing that big macho thing where you, oh, let's just play off the back tees. Cause yeah, I don't really know. Cause I don't really know why. Million miles. <laughs> on one hole, on, it was a par five. It, we were absolutely miles back. It was just so unnecessary. Five or three wood, three wood. Yeah, I, well, I hit driver like five iron, nine iron or something. It was, so, it was just so pointless. That's a whole podcast in itself, I think. Yeah. And then La Reserva on Thursday was just incredible. A, a brilliant, brilliant golf course. Very, very um, nice. Yeah, just brilliant. The clubhouse is fantastic. Practice facilities were really good. And it's just in immaculate condition. The grass was like walking on Nashua turf. It was just, <laughs> it, it, it was like a carpet. My golf was even worse that day. And then Friday was Real Club Soto Grande, which is I think it's currently ranked seconds in most places um, in Spain. Think it's think it's better than Valderrama. I mean, yeah, that's just an amazing golf course. Have you, have you played that one as well? I played Soto Grande, yeah. Pumped yeah. on in the water. My second, lovely drive down the middle on the first. And then, as you always do, pump on it straight to the water with your, with your approach. I got a bit lucky with my first shot on that. I, I was going to hit, a, I, well, I hit a four iron, but it went very, very low. But it did sort of scuttle down the fairway quite away. So I only had a gap wedge in. I actually parred the first hole, which I was quite pleased with. There you go. I feel like if you, a, a solid par in the first hole is... In any round, it's always a good start, but it's sort of unravelled from there. But yeah, just a brilliant go. Yeah, just absolutely amazing golf course. That's that's the golf course that I would recommend to people mm. going to, to play. Like, if you can't play Valderrama, I would say go to Soto Grande because it is. Yeah, because you're not missing out if you go there instead. It doesn't really um, feel like. Again, I've I've said this before. I don't. I'm not a massive fan of European golf courses. I don't really know why, but that is sort of one that doesn't feel like 
a European golf course, if that makes sense. Yeah. Should we talk about some real golfers playing proper yeah, golf? Yeah, yeah. Come on then. Let's start with a shout out for Wyndham Clark, a great first win on the PJ Tour. What a time to do it as well. And he's done it with the Odyssey Jailbird Versa in the bag. So our friends at Callaway will be very happy. Guys, the Odyssey Versa range is the most popular putter on tour for a reason. So if you're looking to upgrade your flat stick for the new season, make sure you check that out. There's my plug for the week. Hope you enjoyed it. Feels like that win has been coming for Clark. He's been trending in the right direction since the turn of the year, including top tens at the Phoenix and the Corrales and top fives at the Valspar and the Zurich Classic before this win. Well, he's certainly taken his chance, didn't he? What better way to win them at an elevated event when Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm aren't playing up to 31st in the world rankings now and fifth in the FedEx Cup. A four-shot win at Quail Hollow in the Wells Fargo Championship was still... With still a strong field playing, massively impressive. And I think it goes to show as well, I think we should definitely make the point of when some players criticise the structure of the designated events, this is an example of a player who's taken his chance and won. And now he will have endless exemptions now for other other tournaments, other majors, Um so that's where I stand. That's where I stand on that. Yeah, as you say, he, he sort of he, he was trending in that right in that right direction in the pairs competition. He finished third in the Europe Classic in New Orleans, fifth at the Valspar, sixth at Corrales, as you said. So I suppose for people who study form and study the PJ Tour in depth, like like we do, he has been trending in in the way in which this this was possible. He beat Xander Schauffele by four shots. He's a we we all know about Xander Schauffele. Um, a proven PJ Tour winner, Olympic gold medalist, beats Harry's English by seven shots, who's also a proven PJ Tour winner. And, you know, Till Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, Adam Scott, it's it's an elevated purse, elevated field. He's come out on top, massively impressive. And you think, I feel like he's a name, since I've been watching golf from about the age of 11 or 12, he's a name that's appeared on leaderboards, uh, that is recognisable. But, but, but... Obviously, didn't get that win until this week. Um, he'd only had five top five finishes now in 134 events. So he's one of those players that stuck around for quite a while and now won. But I think this week does show that if you play good golf, you'll, you'll be rewarded. If you take the chances, you'll be rewarded. Um, he, he was exempt through his top 125 category in the, in the top 125 category from the FedEx Cup last year. So that shows you take your chance, you play good golf, and he's basically sorted now, isn't he? For me, did it? I, I'm sort of trying to think of the best way to word this without disrespecting Wyndham Clark because obviously it was a fantastic win. But did the tournament feel a bit flat? Like you, you mentioned there, that Raman Scheffler didn't play. That this was their designated event that they chose to skip because, of course, they're allowed to choose one that they don't have to turn up to. Rory McIlroy was nowhere near. We'll talk about him in a bit. Jordan Spieth was nowhere near. Uh, now we perhaps know that it was because he, he's had some pain and injury problems. I, I sort of quite enjoyed the first couple of days where all those players were... I mean, I, I think at one point there was 
about eight or nine players all tied for first at some point just going into the weekend. And you sort of, whenever that happens, you sort of get yeah. excited, don't you? And then you sort of realise actually someone's obviously going to pull away. Now, mm. again, no disrespect to Clark, but once he started running away with it, and, and this is the same with every golf tournament where this happens, it just became a bit of a non-spectacle, really. Yeah, and like you say, there's no disrespect to Wyndham Clark, but there is no getting away from the fact that when a less recognisable, less successful player wins like that on the PGA Tour. It's hard to get excited for it. it sounds a bit harsh, obviously, but that is, that is the truth, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> You'd yeah, we'll... like, oh, I can't. Wyndham Clark got away with it. See you later. <laughs> you watch the Arsenal highlights again. At least well, there were some highlights to watch this week. No, yeah, to say... no, no football zone, remember? No, no. Let's bring it back to Rory McIlroy. What, what is going on with him? Because that major purple patch aside back in 2014... He's been in the form of his life running up to this year. Then he missed the cut of the players and the Masters, either side of that third place finish at the match play, and now are tied 47th. He said at the start of the week that he... Well, first of all, we were all excited about what he was going to say. He hasn't spoken since the Masters. He was obviously going to get asked about why he skipped the RBC Heritage. Everyone was very cross about it. Why is Rory McIlroy allowed to break these rules? Even some players were cross about it. Now, he came back out this week. He was obviously asked about it. He said, look, I just needed some time. He he sort of used the, the fact that he needed to just recharge his batteries. Maybe there's a bit of mental health stuff in there. We've been talking in recent weeks about this horrific divide that we've had, almost like a political divide that we've had in golf, particularly on social media. And of course, all the right wing slash live golf accounts started laying into him because of this. Now, you do not lay into someone for saying that they were taking a break for the benefit of their own mindset and their own mm-hmm. their own mental health. You, you just don't do that. He's come out and said it was personal reasons. We have to respect that. Of course we do. But it's obviously showing, isn't it? The Masters really took a toll on him, you could tell. And he, and he said that, didn't he? He said, mm-hmm. you know, building up to Augusta is something that really takes it out on him. It's, it's obviously a tournament that he's utterly desperate to win we've sort of all got to the point now haven't we where we're thinking he's probably just going to win it when he's like 45 and no one's expecting him to win it yeah what seems like the most Rory McIlroy thing he could ever do now whether or not that's affected him going into this week I don't know what did you garner from watching him over the first couple of days it's quite stressful watching Rory McIlroy in a minute isn't it you, you really root him for him and he's not quite producing at the Masters it was just a just a struggle for 36 holes wasn't it and he barely made the cut this weekend. Uh, well, a uh, course that he absolutely loves. He's won three. He's won the World Sparkle Championship three times. I, w- I would have been surprised if he had won this week, just because he after that break, this might have been this might be a little sort of pipe opener for for the PGA Championship in a couple of weeks, which he's won twice. So he's obviously got four in that tournament. But I'm not surprised that he played that, that they only finished tied 47th this week. I feel like in his own mind and what he believes the fans. What what is in the fans' minds is that he's got to win every week. It is a bit of a soap opera following Rory, isn't it? There's there's what it's sort of one thing after another with 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 the withdrawal that's technically breaking his own rules that he, that he helped to devise. Um, the not doing the press conference, which is which is fine. He still spoke to um, Golf Channel, didn't he, about why he withdrew from the RBC Heritage. So he maybe could do with he, he's not, but. I think he could have done with one more tournament before the PGA Championship. I'm not sure he's going into that with, with, with ideal preparation, I think it's fair to say. Well, maybe, so, that's the, maybe that's the other way of doing it. Like, 
he has done so much preparation for every single major that he's played in in recent mm. years. He is someone who is meticulous in his preparation. We know this from Augusta, where he's done everything from showing up and spending two weeks there and playing yeah. you know, 36 a day to what he's, he's been tried doing. everything. Well, yeah, in the last couple of years, he's just shown up and played nine holes with his dad on one day and then the back nine on, on the following day, hasn't he? And then flown home. Now, maybe going into the PJ Championship, actually, we're thinking, well, okay, he's he's not prepared for this at all. In fact, he's not only is he not prepared for it, he's in horrendous form. So maybe this is the one where we go, this is where he's going to break that drought. Yeah, yeah. He has tried everything in that sense in terms of preparation. So, yeah, I, I, just, I, just feel, I just feel following McElroy at the minute, he, he has played very sparingly on the PJ Tour this year. He's not played, he's not played that much, has he, really? I don't think this was a week in which you could have expected him to win. Um, he still plays some. Fa- he's, he's very gutsy, isn't he? He's a very gutsy player. He digs out. He, he dug out a miss. A making the cut at Quail Hollow. Um, and I'm sure he'll take a lot of encouragement from 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 doing that. But I don't know. I feel like every time he turns up, he feels he has to justify himself in some sort of way. Yeah, you know, he feels he has to. He feels he has to justify himself to. To the fans, to the media, to himself, his golf, his golf sort of got progressively worse at Quail Hollow last week. He started with a sixty-eight, which is very solid, and he went seventy-three, seventy-one, seventy-two. So we will have to see. He'll have a week off this week, which I'm sure will will, will hopefully help him. But it didn't. But, the, but having time off from the RBC Heritage and arriving at the Wells Fargo didn't appear to help him that much. It's well, just. You- it's just. It's, it's unpredictable. Rory, he's certainly at the top three players. He's certainly less predictable than Rahm and Scheffler, I feel. You went really West Country then. You went certainly. Yeah, I did. I, I, I realised that as well. That was really nice. I thought you were just trying to make me feel at home. <laughs> maybe this is what Rory needs. I saw it just uh, touching it a moment ago, but maybe he's going to show up at a golf course that he really likes. He's a, As you said, he's a member there. He'll show up, he'll do his you know, previous winner's duties as with press conferences and the Champions Dinner where, you know, he'll probably sit next to Jason Duffner and they'll have a good old laugh all night. And then maybe he'll just focus on some golf and maybe that's just what he needs. He, you know, he just needs to focus on his golf. Uh, and we need him focusing on his golf as well because we need him to step up for the Ryder Cup. Speaking of which, let's move over the Atlantic. We have to talk about the Ryder Cup mainly because we do every week, but the Italian Open was held at... Marco Simone Golf Club this week, which will, of course, host the Ryder Cup in September. As is so often the case on this side of the Atlantic, the course will be set up with narrow fairways and thick rough. Luke Donald spoke about it. A few players in Rome said that it had very much had a Le Golf National feel to the course. After getting so heavily thrashed at Whistling Straits, and of course the US team haven't won over here since 1993, everyone's expecting them to end that run. The core setup is really where Luke and his team are going to win this. So, what will he have learned this week? Mm, well, you need to take when you're in control of the host venue, you need to take every little one percent gain it as as you can, don't you? Well, I think um, when it comes to core setup and course management. And obviously, we know the Americans aren't very good at that. So it's certainly it sort of feels like seventy five percent rather than one percent. Mm, definitely. But he said, I think he said that they added a few bunkers at Marco Simone, and they wanted to make it resemble less of an American course and more of a European course um, to to benefit his team as much as possible. 
So I'd imagine he'd take he'd taken a lot of way, a, a lot away um, from speaking to his vice captains last week, walking around the course, playing the course, seeing what worked, what didn't. In terms of what players he could expect to be in his team, there is no one on the UP or on the DP World Tour that's staking a claim more at the minute than Adrian Moronk, is there? He's gone three times since last July. And to win on the Ryder Cup host venue just boosts his claims massively. In terms of learning points for Luke Donald, I think the most obvious one is he, he will probably have to choose Adrian Moronk unless Adrian Moronk <laughs> just blows out for the rest of the year. He's now fifth in Europeans' point standings and the tenth in the world point standings. So if he doesn't get a, an automatic pick, um, then he, he should certainly get a, a, a captain's pick. That's his fourth win as a, uh, on the European Challenge Tours. Mm. All of them have been national opens, which I find really interesting. So the Portuguese, yeah. which used to be a European Tour sanctioned event, now is sole Challenge Tour. Okay. I, and then obviously the last 10 months, he's run the Irish, the Australian and the Italian. Uh, then he's into the top 50 in the world for the first time. So we, we talk about this all the time, don't we? We say that, let's just rattle through those seven players again. Ron McIlroy, Fitzpatrick, Hovland, Hatton, Fleetwood, Lowry. That's going to make up the core of the team. You then mm. have to say that Justin Rose is almost certainly going to be there. He missed out last time, but he's found some form. He's back in the PGA Tour winner's circle. He's yeah, so that's eight. Yeah. That's eight. Let's say Moronk is now nailed on. So that just leaves three spots. That's nine players. So let's assume that Moronk gets in. That's one rookie. Can Luke Donald risk taking three more rookies? Four rookies is a lot of rookies when you're looking to win after getting absolutely pumped in the last tournament. Well, currently in third place in the European in the European points rankings is is Yannick Paul. So that would be a potential answer. Um, he could even get a, an automatic spot, let alone um, the captain's pick from Luke Donald. So in terms of options, we're talking about Victor Perez, who's currently fourth in the European points rankings. Um, Jorge Campillo, who's sixth. Um, Adrian Otegi's ninth in terms of, well, Fleetwood's tenth, but he's going to get a spot, isn't he? Then we're on to Robert McIntyre, who his form is going through a bit of an upturn at the minute. He's playing far better than he was last season. He's had three consecutive top tens. And I think he's definitely a player that would benefit the sort of the, the team room dynamic um, he's quite popular. He's quite funny. Um, he's a brilliant player, obviously. But I think just two wins on the DP World Tour. His last one was at Marco Marco Simone in the Italian Open uh, last year, beating Matt Fitzpatrick in a playoff. Um, Rory also played that week, so that was the impressive win. So that would be another option for Luke. Um, I would say oh, he's another um, rookie. He's another rookie. Yeah, he is. Stop adding. Stop adding rookies to my team. I'm trying to yeah. add. He is, um, but as we know, all, all, all the veterans have gone, uh, basically resigned. However, if, if we're not talking about if we're not talking about rookies, Alex Noren, he's currently yeah. eighth in the European points list. Um, he did very a, well in Paris, didn't he? He did at a, at a great moment, holding the point, a couple of points, didn't he? Hold that massive part at the end, which I think I just interrupted you there, saying yeah. exactly <laughs> the same thing. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, um, beating Deschambeau, didn't he, on the on the very last hole um, in oh, Paris right, in 2018. I think you or I could beat Deshambo in the Ryder Cup. I'm not going to lie about yeah. that. His record's absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Um, well, he's another player. That's not, that's not going to be playing either. Um, but I think rookies aren't... There's a bit of fearlessness that comes with rookies, I suppose. There's a bit of fearlessness. There's a bit of um, innocence about them where they haven't experienced this thing before. Um, obviously, they're going to be massively nervous, whichever rookies are chosen to play or automatically qualify. But... 
I'd say rookies are not necessarily a bad thing, especially not a bad thing for America in, in 2021. But Europe don't have that caliber of player um, as as in in such depth as America do. Um, but they're only rookie by they're only, they're only rookie by name. They're not by nature. You've got people like Seamus Power as well. He's a PGA Tour winner. He he's a, he would be a rookie, but he, he's not a rookie in his pedigree, is he? I suppose. No, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, d- I definitely want to get your opinion on the, as you call them, the veteran situation. Now, uh, unless you've been living under a rock for the last week, we obviously had this huge news in the last few days that <clears throat> Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Sergio Garcia and Richard Bland have all resigned from the, Euro- the DP World Tour. Now, we, we will talk about that in a moment but just from a Ryder Cup perspective are there any of those three players if you were in Luke Donald's shoes and I think we can probably throw Stenson and Casey into the mix as well I'm not entirely sure what their deal is Mm. with I don't think they resigned from the DP World Tour just yet there's rumours that they will soon but would you be looking to take any of those five I mean they're all Ryder Cup stalwarts they're all proven Ryder Cup players any of those you would take if you were Luke Donald as a bit of experience over, say, the Hoygaard twins? Or are you thinking, actually, we should be looking to the future now? We should be looking at getting players like the Hoygaards and Yannick Pools into the mix because they, they are probably going to be playing Ryder Cups going forward. Yeah, that's a good point. The ones that Donald could pick could be playing Ryder Cups in the future. So it might be good to get them started off as soon as possible in that sense. The, the only player that I would consider, I wouldn't consider any of them really, but w- one one I would consider is Sergio, just because he's the he's the top points the top point scorer in the history of the tournament. Um, he formed quite a formidable partnership with John Rahm at Whistling Straits, um, so and he clearly gets up for the Ryder Cup. Um, he's shown a little bit of form on the Live Golf Tour. He lost in the playoffs to Taylor Gooch, um, recently, and. There's a little bit of form there in that sense, but his Ryder Cup pedigree is his main selling point. Um, yeah. He would obviously require a pick. He was he's got nothing impossible for him to get come in the top six um, in the Ryder Cup points rankings in the world and European points rankings, unless he just went on a massive winning spree on the Euro on the on the Asian tour, which is probably which is unlikely. So he's the only player out all out of all of them. I think Poulter and Westwood. I think either they would consider themselves done. Even even if none of this had happened, the, the way they were get, getting emotional um, at Whistling Straits in 2021, they were acting like that was their last go, weren't they? Um, obviously, they probably had um, captaincies lined up. That's out the window, of course. But Sergio is the only one, not Casey or Stenson. I don't think they're playing well enough. Um, Pete Peters, Thomas Peters is one that I think could get a pick if he was to play well this year. Um, he's in another major or two so he's certainly one that that could get a pick he's he's a bit younger than the rest of them got a bit more a bit more potential to get a few finishes up, up the leaderboard this 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 year so that would be a potential pick um but then again i think with europe it's good to choose players that are going to be involved for years to come and peter's potentially is not going to be one of those players is he luke donald as far as I'm concerned, and I think I would be the same, does not care about the next Ryder Cup or the Ryder Cup after that or the Ryder Cup after that. He cares about winning this one. He cares about being a winning captain. So, and this is no disrespect to someone like Yannick Paul or whoever, 
Luke Donald would rather have Sergio Garcia on his team in September than Yannick Paul. There's no two ways about it. Sergio Garcia oh. could, this could be 20 years time. Sergio Garcia could be in his 60s and he would still get up for the Ryder Cup. <laughs> like this, this is a man who is, first of all, he's arguably the greatest Ryder Cupper of all time. He's still playing decent golf on live. Mm. Okay. Yes. He's, I, I almost called him a name, but I'll just go for the more palatable. His mm. personality is questionable, but he is someone who gets up for this tournament like nobody else. And at Whistling Straits, his partnership with John Rahm was the only thing that came out of that, which was any kind of positive for the European team. Mm. I mean, poor old Matt Fitzpatrick got teamed up with Westwood for a couple of days and they just got hammered both times. Mm. Now, obviously, most people got hammered. But Westwood has proven that he can't go there and take a young guy under his wing. So I'm happy to put Westwood and Porter in the past and say that that's just, they're, they're yeah. done. Henrik Stenson was going to be the captain this year. His playing days, done. Paul Casey, perhaps? I think if I was if I was going to take, if you said to me I had to take two of those live golfers to play on the European team, it would be Casey and and Sergio. But I, I mean, I, I think, honestly, I think Donald is looking at it and going, I wish I could pick them because I think he would pick Sergio in a heartbeat. I know you have a concern about dressing room dynamic mm. do you it's a very good argument to say that McElroy and Garcia aren't really on talking terms but they're not on talking terms because they're playing on different tours now so they just don't see each other mm. that was that was what they were implying at the Masters we just don't see each other so we're not talking we just we, I mean Hepka and Rory are still mates I mean I don't think the whole lift thing is perhaps as big as it's being made out to be but I think you, I mean, I mean, the Americans have had horrendous team dynamic, like team True. room dynamic for years, and it's never been a problem for them. Well, Europe have used this, have used this team dynamic and harmony and cohesiveness so well in recent years. And most of the time, Europe don't have a better team than America, but they feed off each other. There's no ego involved. And that is why they, they've had got such good records against the American team, whether, whether you think there has been a lot of ego involved. Um sort of the, the, the things that have been thrown at them are that they play for themselves so to be fair to Sergio he, did, he, he never got involved with the litigation I don't think he's ever been involved with the litigation things I don't, I don't think he was on the original list of plaintiffs for the antitrust lawsuit whereas Poulter was so mm. it's things like that as well that play on the mind I just don't think I mean realistically he's not going to choose any of them is he or, 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 obviously it's a good question you raise about Sergio Garcia and Yannick Paul, or or, just, or or a Yannick Paul, someone like that, who would look Donald rather choose. That is an interesting perspective. Like Donald is going to be in the history books as a European Ryder Cup captain with either a, a W or an L next to his name. So he wants to win now. Like you said, he wants to win now. So that element would be in Garcia's favour. But realistically, that's not going to happen, is it? He's going to favour the people. He's going to, the, the people fresher in his mind are going to be the ones who played in the Hero Cup, for example, aren't they? Well, I think and, the reality not is Sergio that, Garcia. I think the reality is that the resignation from the DP World Tour signals the end of their right yeah, careers. Yeah, but just yeah. a hypothetical. I think you do raise yeah, that point. As a, even as a hypothetical, I think that. I mean, let's just talk about those resignations. It has been the biggest talking point in the last few days. I honestly, I howled to use a popular. <laughs> social media phrase when 
Westwood's described the PGA Tour as a regime that he doesn't want to play under. I mean, Lee Westwood is a lot of things, but I really didn't think he would be so uh, blinkered that he could Mm. possibly come out. And I know that this whole live golf versus the PGA and DP World Tour thing has made these guys say some things and on both sides that they perhaps shouldn't have said or uh, it's all become a bit. Like we, like I, said, I feel like I say this every week, but it has just become a bit right wing, left wing politics, doesn't it? Mm. And look, for me, Lee Westwood is, you know, he 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 would have made 600 starts on the P, on the European Tour by now if he hadn't gone to live. Uh, and there's not very many people who have done that. He's obviously had an incredible career over 30 years. He's uh, he's been on 11 Ryder Cup sides. He's won 25 times on the European Tour. I want to say. He's been num- world number one. He's won the Order of Merit a few times. He's hosted the British Masters at least twice that I can think of at, at Close House. Yeah. But he made that decision to go over to live and he knew the consequences of it. This is what annoys me the most is everyone seems to be so divided on it. And I just think it's OK to look at Lee Westwood as one of the not only one of the most loyal players to ever play in Europe or even one of the best Europeans to ever play the game, but one of the best players to ever play the game full stop. If you're talking about top 100, 200 Mm. players who have ever played the game, Lee Westwood is in that list. He's an unbelievable player and really should have had a major, like Colin Montgomery, really should have had a major on his CV. And if he did have, if if Lee Westwood had a major, if he had just, what all of those runner-up finishes he had, and same as Monty, if he had just sneaked over the line and got one, everyone would be talking about him as one of the top 30 or 40 players ever to play the game. Now, is that is that age-old argument, isn't it? Would you rather have Lee Westwood's career or would you rather mm. have Sean McKill's career? I think we all say... We'd all say Lee Westwood, wouldn't we? You know, people are going to remember who Lee Westwood is for a long time. That no one on either side of this divide is questioning Lee Westwood's contribution to European golf or golf across the world. No one is questioning that. But what the guys on the live side are saying is that everyone else on the other side is dismissing Westwood's contribution as a golfer. Nobody is doing that. Nobody like people are saying. Lee Westwood made a choice. He was unbelievable. And then Live Golf offered him a load of money and he went, yeah, OK, I'm going to take that money. And he knew the consequences. He knew that he wouldn't be able to play on the PGA Tour or the European Tour. He knew that as the rest of them did. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you were bang on right. You, you, you won 25 times on the on the European Tour, eighth on the all time list. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've got a bit of a I, I've always had a little personal connection with Lee Westwood. But when I first started watching golf when I was 11 or 12, I, I really sort of connected with him in terms of in terms of a fan I just I've always loved his tempo I've always loved his swing and you know he, he never got over the line in in the major championships which I was always used to be gutted about you know he came second at the open in 2010 um that wasn't one of his closer runs really because he came even closer in that Muirfield when he led after 54 holes I think and he's come second twice at the Masters came come third twice at the US Open third at the PGA and he always was always a player that I rooted for um, was world number one for 22 weeks, I think, which is just staggering. Like that is just a, a brilliant. Um, and he was always one that I, I rooted for and wanted to win every week, especially at the majors. It never came to, ne- never came to anything, of course. Um, and I was dis- maybe disappointed 
um, with his move to live. But understandable, obviously, um, if any of us any of us were in his situation where maybe his career was, you know, n- n- not really not really trending, just cause, probably because of his age, not because of his quality. Yeah, not winding down, but he's sort of yeah. moving into his... Well, he's, well he's, he's just turned 50, hasn't he? So, yeah. So there we are. Um, so that, that that one that I had a bit of a personal connection with, and I think it's, there, there is a, a hint of sadness that his career has now ended. With, his DP World Tour career has ended with a 100 grand fine sure. and um, a resignation. And then you've got Sergio and Polter, who I'm not really... I'm not really that. I, I, I think I feel like I used to be emotionally connected with Sergio when I was a bit younger, and I didn't um, follow the golf industry as in depth as I do now, um, as it's my job. So I'm, I'm less endeared to Sergio in that sense because of his antics, because of his constantly petulant, childish behaviour. Um, you couldn't. Well, put I think the I, whole... quite, I quite like Sergio. Sergio and I aren't too dissimilar in age, and I think that when he was bursting onto the scene at the you know the 99 PGA Championship and all that stuff taking on Tiger mm. and yeah there was sort of something I mean he looks like Adam Sander like Happy Gilmore which helps yeah. and there's that sort of bratty side to him that I really liked but then you sort of grow up and you sort of think dude you're in your 40s like why are you still and still behaving, behaving. Like that? but yeah. I think the, the thing for me, and you just mentioned the fines there and, and the players have been fined by the DP World Tour and Sergio is the only one that hasn't paid his. Now, the, the, the powers that be will sort that out, of course. But for me, what leaves the uh, the sour taste in the mouth is that the DP World Tour and then the, by extension, the PJ Tour made these players, gave them the platform to make these players who they were. And that's what frustrates me the most is that they would then go over to uh, live golf and just start slagging off mm. the DP World Tour. They, they, uh, and uh, what frustrates me is that again, I'm just going to say it again because how else can I phrase it? You knew the consequences by going to live golf. This is not brand new information to you. You knew you were going to get fined. You knew you were going to get banned from the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour. When he mentions that he used to play on the Asian Tour and from the PGA Tour and used to get a used to get releases to play on them and now he's joined the live tour and now he's been fined has he not got a point in the no, sense that... i don't think he has because back then when you had the saudi international i'm gonna get in trouble here someone's gonna pull me up on this but that that was back then that was a uh, it was a european tour event that was when you know the dp world tour goes all around the world okay and saudi was one of those places that they probably spent a lot of money to host a tournament fine the dp world tour took their money Again, absolutely fine. And then Saudi Arabia said, do you know what? This is quite fun. Let's do our own tour and we'll Mm. nick all their best players. To use the world's weakest analogy, it would be like you going, oh, this podcast business is quite fun. I'm going to go and do another golf podcast. And then coming back to me and going, oh, no one's listening to my podcast. Can I come back on yours? And me going, no, obviously not. (laughs) It's the world's worst analogy, but it's it's, it's, the point I'm making is, is... it's valid, I think. There, there, there is a parallel there, but I just think, like the 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 point that West was trying to make is clearly that the DP World Tour was once happy to negotiate and form a golf tournament called the Saudi International. Yeah, but together. it was a golf tournament that was part. Matt, I'm going to get across with you in a minute. That that is a golf tournament that was part of the DP World Tour schedule. Mm. It's not an entire. It's not creating an entire tour, which is threatening the existence of the DP World Tour, is it? Because mm. that, that is what's happening. It's working with the same people, 
But that's not the point that Westwood's making, to be fair. He's not making the point of... He's just making the point of, of different tours, isn't he? He's not really making the point of the people who run them. Um, because that, that that is a point. But I still think, no, I still think that that, that that is a point. Argue your case then. I'm happy to listen to it. The players aren't really ones who bring up the human rights stuff, are they? Not really, are they? It's more, that's well, the, more the us. The human rights stuff has got nothing to do with it. When, when the DP World Tour or the boxing, the football, whatever sport, whenever they go to these countries, the human rights thing, yes, it is an issue. If the DP World Tour and the We're happy to Tour, ignore that when they hosted the South. No, sorry. Yeah, that's one that's one way of looking at it. If the DP World, I can't remember exactly what their reasons were, but if the DP World Tour and the PJ Tour are saying you shouldn't back live golf because of the human rights thing, then obviously, like that's hypocritical. I mean, this is a whole podcast in itself, but America mm. talking about human rights records is uh, hypocritical in itself. But the reason why they don't want Live Golf players playing on their tour is simply because the Live Golf Tour is a rival tour and it's a threat to mm. their very existence. The Live Golf went, do you know what? We're going to steal all their best players. That's what they came to do. They came to disrupt. They came to annoy mm. people. And that's what they've done. And they've done a bloody good job of it. Fair play. Greg Norman's going, oh, these guys should be allowed to play on the PGA Tour and the European Tour. Greg Norman doesn't want them playing on the PGA Tour and the European Tour. No, he well, wants them playing on the, on the Live Golf only. Yeah. And then he's wanging on about, oh, we're, we've only, we're doing 14 events this year. We're going to do 24 events the following year. But the whole thing at the start was about playing less golf. Oh, I'm so cross. You've made me cross. Yeah. I woke up. I was cross about Jordan Spieth. And then I was fine again. And now I'm cross about Live Golf. I agree with I agree with what you say there, but there is a there is a hint of hypocrisy with the DP World Tour. I think, um, not with the players, because to be fair, the players don't talk about all the political stuff. They 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 just sort of play, don't they? They, they I don't think they've ever criticised these players going over massively because of the. A, a, a point is that that's always been raised by Rory is is the money they've gone over there for the money, and the players that don't admit that. I think that's a key issue that we've all raised. But the players never really raise, never really jab at the human rights stuff because they've all well, played it. We know they've gone for the money. Like even if they yeah. say they've, even if they say they've gone for more time with the family and all the other bollocks that they come out with, they have gone for the money. Mm. It really is as simple as that, and it's fine to do that. If someone in a similar job to mine said to me, "Oh, I'm just going to pay you." 400 times what you're getting paid now obviously you're going to go aren't you especially if you were in the twilight of your yeah. career yeah I, 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 I do as much as I've stated my endearment for Westwood earlier I, I don't really like how how much sort of money's thrown at the DP World Tour that, that, that is an issue that is an issue um I think that, that they should all just do their best to just follow the, the example of Dustin Johnson and the example of Louis Ustays and they, they, they've, they've gone quietly they've been very honest um, Keith Keith Pelly name checked um, uh, Louis Hazen recently. Apparently, he called up Keith Pelly yeah. and and said, "This is what I'm going to do. Um, this these are the reasons why." DJ and DJ and uh, Louis have never really been disruptors on social media, have they? But like Westwood no. and Porter and uh, in particular have always been particularly outspoken on in, in Twitter, especially. Mm. So you sort of expected it, really. But like yeah. I said before. The DP World Tour made you guys what you are. They gave you the opportunity to become the player or become, give your, give yourself. I mean, Richard Bland, 
when he was slagging off the DP World Tour a couple of weeks ago, I mean, this guy was an absolute journeyman and like essentially just a like run of the mill European tour player making a few grand every now and then. He won the British Masters. Now, he if if Live Golf had got the players that they actually wanted at the start of this, he wouldn't be anywhere near the talking. No. No, he wouldn't be anywhere near it. Live Golf wouldn't know who he was. No, I mean, the, the timeline from his win at the Belfry to now is just the most unbelievable timeline. Like if he hadn't, I think it was Miglosi beating a playoff at the Belfry. The things that could happen in your life, like if he hadn't won that, there's no way he'd ever. Sliding doors moments. Yeah, it, it, it is, isn't it? There's no way he'd ever have the access to the millions that he has now. There'd be no narrative around him because it was his you know, 600th start or something on the, on the on DP World Tour that he won on. He, I think he I should to go point back out to the Challenge Tour. 100%, if I'm in Richard Bland's shoes, I am going to live golf. I'm, uh, you know, pushing 50. Yeah. I've won once, mate. Has he won? What, did he win again since the British Masters on the DP World Tour? I can't remember. But I've basically just been a journeyman on the, on the DP World Tour, never winning, always being there or thereabouts. And suddenly this other tour have come along and said, here you go. And, I, and I've said that before. If I was Richard, I would have absolutely 100 percent mm. gone. But for him to have the audacity yeah, to then start slating the DP World Tour, I just it's, it leaves a, and a very it leaves a sour taste in my mouth. So God knows how Pelly and Co feel. And cross, he's just crossing that line, that vocal line on social media, get, get going at Eddie Pepperell, who's literally achieved more than him. In, I mean, don't, in, go at, don't go at Eddie Pepperell yeah. when you haven't got yeah. the clout to back it up. I mean, yeah. Pepperell schooled him there. That was very funny. But In the so-called 15 minutes he's been on tour, he, he's literally not, not, not done as much as Eddie, as Eddie, as Eddie Pepperell. He might have been at a few drinks, but he's not really an excuse to to, to start firing shots again. And, and that, that is... A thing with all these, with, with he he and the other three players that have resigned, they've all got that in common now. They've all got in common that they've fired shots at the at players at the other tours. Yeah, you know, Garcia's not so much on Twitter, but he did call, he did accuse McElroy of lacking maturity earlier earlier this year. And then obviously you've got Westwood and Poulter who are always very vocal. I'd be really interested to know if they are told by the live powers that be that they've got to be like this, because mm. I just I was reading that exchange between Bland and Pepperell on Twitter. And I was just thinking that it just didn't sound like Richard Bland. Like, I don't know, like it's really difficult yeah. to explain, isn't it? It just doesn't sound like him. Like it didn't. It was almost like someone else was It's almost like he gave his phone to Greg Norman at a dinner party or something. <laughs> yeah. And Greg went, oh, I'll reply. Yeah, it's very it, strange. I don't know. I mean, I, my my belief at the start of all this was that Live Golf wouldn't last for more than say three years for the sake of argument. I think they'll get very bored very quickly. I think things like Live Golf Adelaide were really good because yeah, it, they they took it to a part of the world which is starved for top level sport and certainly top level golf. And I think they're. I, I've always said I think there is a market for a more like like a party tour for want of a better phrase like live got like greg norman and live got yeah. would never say they want to be a party tour but i think there is certainly a a, a scope for but that's what they want really would, well yeah exactly but i, I think there's there's there, there is space for that but on the flip side of it you go to like places like singapore and there's there's no one there and then you just think well it, are this are, are the saudi paymasters gonna keep splurging money on this for for much longer i don't know like i'd be really surprised if it's still going in three years i really really would well that's well that's it um these fines are supposedly are again reported by oregon from the telegraph these fines could get up to half a million or a million 
and Liv have supposedly sent a DP World Tour 700,000, which they can't have enjoyed doing. So sending said 700,000 pounds worth of fines to a rival tour, which they can then use for God knows what, you know, prize money, whatever. Um, the best thing, the best thing the DP World Tour could do, absolute from a PR perspective, is to donate that money to like a human rights charity or a mm. domestic abuse charity or something like that. Yeah. Right. So but, what, what's going? So we've got we've got Live Golf this week, haven't we? So they're in Tulsa this week. We've got Byron Nelson on the PGA Tour and the Sudan mm. Open on the DP World Tour, and then it's PGA Championship week. So maybe what we'll do is we'll go away for a few days. This has got very heated. I'm sorry about that. Um, mm. I think it's just the, the Jordan Spieth news is at the back of my mind, just making me anxious. So let's well, by uh, next week. Hopefully he'll have his wrist wrapped up and he'll be at Oak Hill ready to complete the grand slam. Beware the injured golfer. So mm. let, let's come back in a week's time or in a few days time because it's now Tuesday because we inexplicably had a Monday off. Hey, guys, Again. stop having bank holidays on Mondays. It's really <laughs> annoying. Put them on Fridays. That's the day that everyone wants off. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, let's uh, let, let's reconvene in a few days and talk about what will hopefully be Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy's PJ Championship chances. Yeah. All right.